Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Woo-woo! All right. All right. <laughs> Shock jockey. Shot jockey all the time, baby. Uh, before we get into anything that this episode is about, meaning the story and some um, Hellboy news in the world that... Um, is probably old news to people listening at this point, but we're still going to cover it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you had something to share from one of our listeners that sent you, which is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ian Widener sent me uh, uh, this lady's TikTok, the Vlasta. That's the T-H-E Vlasta V-L-A-S-T-A. Um, and it's just some kind of like, information about Baba Yaga's chicken leg house. <laughs> yeah, it's like how... it felt like to me cuz you sent it to me to watch it. It feels yeah. like a uh, a mythbusters for uh the chick for Baba Yaga's chicken house. <laughs> yeah. It's like this is actually it's it's pretty cool. It's just like um I guess like a type of house that was built with tree trunks, like on tree trunks to prevent the house from rotting. And um these ones specifically, she's talking about, like, these houses. Uh, there was also, like, a translation thing where um, Corinne, I'm probably saying it wrong, Corinne, which is, uh, translates to made out of chicken, and Kurnyi, which translates to smoked, and they would smoke the tree trunks with, like, s- specific herbs to keep, like, wildlife and animals from coming up into the house because sometimes they would keep like the remains uh, like the cremated remains of bodies in the houses sometimes so they didn't want like critters getting in there so yeah just a little interesting thing like it seems like this tiktok user has like a couple of (laughs) sorry just came in it seems like this tiktok user has a couple of like translation like fun like which information so it might be cool to check out totally that's i mean that's really fun information to hear i mean uh about like where a myth would have started and the uh, and a translation along the way would have become something to scare children i guess i don't know the full reason why they developed baba yaga into russian uh folklore uh be honest don't know uh (laughs) but i do know that in mignola's universe the house has some chicken legs. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, yeah. It's like literally like walking around. And I think we've pecking. talked about it before, too. I used to, I played a game back in the day, like on PC, literally like my dad's PC called Heroes Quest, just like Space Quest, which we've definitely talked about, I think. Heroes Quest, yeah. And you had, there was, Baba Yaga was in that game, and I remember it had chicken legs, because you'd have to do like a, figure out a spell or a way to get the chicken leg house to lower down so you could go in and like get potions and i just remember that being part of the puzzle of that game so So fun baba yaga she's in culture forever (laughs) she's part of pop culture (laughs) (laughs) i think you'll i mean if you you've definitely talked about space quest before right we have am i thinking of somebody else that's you right (laughs) uh maybe Uh, I'm, like, looking at pictures of Heroes Quest right now, and it looks fucking awesome. Yeah, it was a fun game. Really had a silly sense of humor in it, too. Love it. I love old PC games, like old, like, point-and-click kind of 
games like that. Yeah, I think you'd like that. Aw, big nostalgia trip right here. <laughs> but before you get trapped in your nostalgia trip, uh, <laughs> we got a really cool uh, short story to cover this episode. Yeah. Um, it's Bishop Olek's Devil, which is also in, was published... Um, part of the free comic book day Hellboy free um, issue along with the prior story we covered which uh, was out of reach and then which we'll be covering next is the mole so this was back in May 2008 so um, and this is the return of somebody that we fucking fell in love with with 1946 yeah um, a team that we definitely both really loved so I'll let you take it over give us some credits and walk us through totally yeah written by Joshua Dysart um, of, of 1946 fame and Mike Mignola uh, illustrated by Paul Azaceda colored by Nick Filardi lettered by Clem Robbins edited by Scott Alley boo boo and yeah it's um for it also like it even like appears at the end of 1946 the collection that they yeah. have so, which I have waiting for me at Secret Headquarters when I get a paycheck that will allow me to buy it. Oh, that's awesome. They ordered me the hardback. Oh, they're so nice there. Yeah. So basically we have Trevor Broom meeting Dr. Howard Eaton, who was uh, along the ride with him for 1946. It's sort of um, like a, like, I just have to interject. Yeah. That we know he's dead. <laughs> Like I know died. it's sad, and it's interesting to be like this it's story, like, is... and it's narrated by him yeah. too. It's like so sad, <laughs> very sad, and like because you're like oh, because he's like he's like excited to tell the story, you know, like uh, Doctor Eaton's like telling this as though he's like re- remembering this fondly almost, mm-hmm. even though it's a pretty crazy fucking story of how he met Trevor Broom. <laughs> yeah, it was back in 1939. He was uh, working at the British Museum Library. And the two of them were asked to basically verify the authenticity of this book, which was written in uh, 1529 by a Ukrainian bishop named Alexander, who sold his soul. It is said that the devil himself whispered its secrets in his ear as he scribed. So it's like, it's like basically like a devil giving you the secrets of how to become wealthy. And it's like written down in this tome. Ooh. And they're going to go check it out for the library. And it's um, very interesting because yeah. our, when we, this team originally gave us a story that was after World War II, right? During mm-hmm. like almost uh, things were getting rebuilding. Um, but this is taking place in the midst of the war. It's wild. Yeah, as they're traveling, they're like going past Nazi tanks and shit and having to show their passport to different troops and like ride on a horse like (laughs) it's a whole adventure and they basically have to they have to go to Petrov Manor in eastern Galicia to verify the book's authenticity so they go to this guy's house (laughs) (laughs) and they walk in and night is falling and this is after like a long after a month's travel yeah and it's this huge opulent palatial home and when they walk in, they hear disturbed sobbing and it doesn't stop and it's terrible. And then they get shown to their rooms. They're locked in their room. They're in like a room together. I love that Dr. Eaton is like, I was a glorified librarian with a curiosity for the occult little more. So he's like, 
Yeah, I was just like a nerd tagging along for this story, basically. <laughs> and Trevor Broom was basically like, he was like already just more adventurous and like wanted to explore and pretty brave. Yeah. To the point of like, he's almost like a nut. Like he's kind of crazy how brave he is. <laughs> and yeah, so they, they go to visit like after after a night of like listening to these sobs, they're able to meet Lord Petrov and the room stinks. It's like moldy and old. Petrov says that he found the book and it's like it's right there. It's right over there uh, on a stand and it'll give you this power to become super wealthy. Um, and he's like, go ahead and take it. I give it to you as a gift. Uh, uh, it's strange that you would just offer it up. It's like it's like an yeah. artifact and you're just like, take it. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. I I don't even want it. He's like reverse psychology for this fucking devil's book. Yeah, and Broom's um, look at the bottom of that page is like, uh, that's not yeah. that doesn't sound right. Mm. He tells him, unfortunately, my lord, I'm not prepared to authenticate the text at this very moment. Trevor lied to our host, but said uh, I said nothing. I had to trust in his instincts. So he's like, yeah, I'm not touching that book, okay? <laughs> uh, I'm good. And then they like wait that night. They hear the suffering again, the, like, screaming. Um, they had shoved some cloth in their door lock so they could, like, shimmy out. And when they go to Petrov's bedroom, they see him with, like, this... It looks almost like a starfish. Yeah. So it looks like a... Yeah, it looks like a some kind of cross between, like, an octopus and a starfish and, like, the Stranger Things demigorg... Like, uh, it, and, like, it's got, like, this gross mouth toothed mouth it's and so disturbing even before it lifts up the human hands on the end of the on the end of the like oh yeah terrifying tentacly kind of appendages that it has yeah and to know that also like petrov's sitting there screaming and getting like suffering Ugh. under it it's like pretty monstrous um there was a fleeting greedy moment in which i was fearful we would flee with the manor without the book but when I touched it, Lord Petrov's suffering ceased and the creature turns its attention to me. So he's like, he touched the book. He did the bad thing. And now this thing is like, you're you. I'm coming for you. As the creature leaves Petrov's body, he Petrov just crumbles into almost like dirt or stone or yeah, something. Like he's just he's been just sucked like, dry. Petrified. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and. You know, he like laterals the book to uh, a Trevor. <laughs> Trevor's like, throw me the book, Howard. Um, so then the thing starts chasing Broom instead. But, you know, it, Dr. Eaton's he shows a little bit of bravery here. He's like, stay and fight me, horror. But the thing is already uh, chasing down the person who holds the book. Broom runs down the hallway. The thing follows him by scuttling across the ceiling with its human hands. It's so gross. Cool. It, like, looks like it makes a slappy, sloppy sound. It looks like it's, you know, it looks like it's squ squishing or something. And we hear Petrov's voice. Don't fear the Guardian. In time, you'll become accustomed to its nightly visits and the rewards. Oh, such glorious rewards. I love so, the glorious rewards Then having it cut yeah. back to his stoned, cracked in half right. head <laughs> it's like any deal with the devil i i never t fully understand because it's like you know they're gonna he's gonna collect yeah. and for in this case he comes he has sends the guardian to come every night 
and like squish onto your body and sap your soul or whatever he's doing. Trevor had taken the book willingly as I had. So he's like running from the thing, the thing's chasing him. Some servant of the house holding a candelabra opens the door and calls to Broom to come follow him quickly. And as he goes in, he sees the body of um, presumably of the dude who... Yeah, the bishop, had, I'm assuming, Bishop Yeah, the, the bishop, yeah, who had heard firsthand from the devil and had written this book in the first place. So he's trying to give the book to someone who desired the book enough to want it all to himself. He, like, shoves it back into his cold, dead hands or whatever, or, you know, these, like, kind of stiff rigor mortis claws of, yeah. of hands that are, that are left on this bishop. There's some Latin here, Depstum... The study? I, I mean, uh, deposit custody is what all I could get it to translate for me. Deposit custody. Okay. Maybe like, give me the book. <laughs> yeah, or like, I think that's sort of Depositum like, custody. Yeah, like whatever, whoever has custody of this, you know what I mean? Like Gets to keep the guardian. Guardian, I think, sucks from you, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, Broom gives the book back to the bishop who wrote it. Uh, while I was being frightened, he had figured out, he had figured these things out, had leapt into action. And then Trevor's like curled up on in a fetal position. And he like pops back into the room. Trevor, how did you, you just appeared out of thin air. And yeah, so Do- Dr. Eaton's like, I was never the same after that night. Trevor Broom, younger than me by a decade, had become a model by which I could live a fulfilling and adventurous life. One need not fear the dark with a man like that on one side. But he says that now until he's stuck on a fucking rebar pipe in the basement of a mental asylum. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm glad you had adventures, but you're going to fucking die because of them. (laughs) I mean, it seems like, you know, he did trade a boring life for something that he wanted. He clearly, when, you know, when when the shit popped off, he... He did respond in a brave way. He didn't just like sit there and pee his pants like I would have if a big human handed starfish was barreling down on me. So I thought that was cool. It was like a nice, you know, we spent more time with him, I guess, in 1946. But we're literally in his head. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to to get this perspective. And it just makes, you know, it's like it's cool. It makes him a very relatable figure. And makes Trevor Broom look even cooler, you know? Yeah, Trevor is really cool. He's so, like, I love that he can just suss out the situation so fast. And then, you know, also shows that he'll, you know, he doesn't, he's just trying to outsmart the thing rather than just, like, what will no Hellboy for? Who's going to punch first? (laughs) Yeah. It's like. Well, I think Hellboy would try to, would try to do it. Like, I think Hellboy would act in a really similar way to Broom. You kind of, I think that that's what they're going for, you know? I think, like, I mean, Hellboy doesn't do the same level of homework, so he's not yeah. as prepared and has to, like, resort to punching. But I think that his instincts are follow Broom's instincts. I think, like, in that way, he's at least, like, by osmosis given that to Hellboy. Like, you know, there's, like, a way to figure this out. And, oh, of course, punching is is always there as a last resort, you especially right. if you have a right hand of doom. You're del- you're definitely right. <laughs> I love it. I, it's so fun to see Broom as like a fun, I wouldn't call him like an Indiana Jones, but it's cool to see him as 
you know, this kind of, you, you thought of him as this frail bookish character and it's nice to see him as a cool adventurer kind of a guy. I agree. And I'm, I'm glad what you just said, like, I'm glad that they didn't attempt to when they, they were decided to do uh, uh, stories that showed Trevor in his youth. I'm glad they didn't like sort of take him away from what we really knew, a little we knew about him. Like we showed him go on an adventure to the, you know, the North Pole and then get murdered by frog monster. But you could, you could infer from those two events at his age that this guy is adventurous. This guy has, is sort of fearless in a sense. So it's like they really... He would have to be really to... Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad they did that, but they kept him still. And he wears a suit and does his things. He isn't like, well, now I put on a hat and I can... You know what I mean? Like, I'm just... I'm an alc- I'm a professor in this. Like, they, like, where Indiana Jones sort of falls into the, into the realm of like... Uh, of Batman in a sense of having alter egos. Yeah. Broom is one complete character. He he might have, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. He doesn't have to put on a persona to go to the field. He's still the same person in the field or at home with Hellboy and or dealing with the BPRD. Yeah. It just really flushes him out as like, we already know he's like a compassionate character, but I think it informs his character even more to see like, that he has an adventurous spirit, he would be willing to keep a demon if the demon is good. And he would be like, he's also living through World War II and seeing all these like Nazi atrocities. He, I think that the whole, the whole like thing of framing it in this World War II thing also just lends itself to like, why would Broom not judge someone deemed subhuman i think yeah. that that's a huge like that's i think that's supposed to be in the background of your mind when you're reading these ones that are set around that when you have like like it feels very purposeful to have them go past these tanks and have their passports checked and their papers checked and all that shit yeah um, i think yeah. you're right on on that um i absolutely love the first image that we see of this this devil sucking the um uh, the man, uh, Petrov's body, yeah. because even before he lifts up and you see his undercarriage, which is vastly disgusting, but this one shot just reminds me of like in a good horror movie, like especially like a body horror movie, like a Cronenberg. Yeah. Before shit hits the fan, just a slow reveal of something disgusting. Dude, <laughs> do you know what? Mo- have you ever seen Society? I haven't. Um, I watched it recently and I kind of loved it. It's like, it's body horror out the wazoo, dude. Like it takes a while to get to it, but when it gets to it, it's fucking bizarre. Like it's weird shit, but it's a lot of fun. I, this almost makes me think of this creature kind of makes me think of that thing. Cause it has like hands on this amorphous blob kind of a thing. Well, it's like a starfishy kind of a blob, but yeah, it very much brought, like, that's my recommendation based on today's comic is Society. Society, from what year? Um, Late 80s, I want to say like 86. Is it a Cronenberg or somebody else? 1989, uh, uh, directed by Brian Usna. Cool, all right. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's free on Tubi. Tubi's my shit right now. All right. All right. It's also on Amazon Prime with no commercials and on Shutter. 
Well, then I've had it's prime. I can watch it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I, it's like a cheesy. It's it not. It doesn't make. It doesn't always make the most sense, but it was a lot of fun to watch. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I. I don't know if I have any any I have any body horror to like suggest other than one. Don't eat while you watch this movie. Any body horror you shouldn't. Yeah, don't do it. I think I briefly texted you, and I'd say I think it was worth my watch, um, just because it's like part of iconic horror and. Cronenberg, I think, is iconic. Um, I watched Videodrome recently for the first time. Yeah. And I thought that was a very interesting and visual movie. As well as I think his scanners, his early movie scanners, is pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> Especially for an independent yes, yes. sci-fi movie. I think he did a great job. And I know that's different than this. Scanners but... gives me a headache. I like always need to take like a <laughs> I need to take like an ibuprofen when I watch scanners. That's very funny. But man, I I, even in the short pages that we get here, I'm I love their work as a team. All um, it just encapsulates I, such so a- good. I mean, I think like I think Dicer just like really um, is such a big fan of Hellboy, and you can really see that he he understands these characters and really shows his love for these characters and and how much he respects them and everything. Ah, it's great. And his his interview that you sent me. A conversation Mike Mignola with Joshua Dysart yeah, was so Josh, cool. Yeah, which Dysart himself sent us. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it was awesome. It was it yeah. just it's great. It it also made me think of, with with Dysart talking to Mignola. You can see that they respect each other. But you can also see how somebody like Mignola, if you ask a question into him in a certain way, he'll just flat out say no to you. Like it's like. <laughs> I think like Dicer would be like, oh, uh, like this one particular thing he was talking about, like Hellboy has this like um, blue collar sort of a feel to him. And the way that he asked the question, Mignola agrees, but he does. He like he's like, no, well, he's like my dad. Like you can tell that (laughs) he's like very particular about how he like word like Mignola's particular about how he words shit. Um, Real quick before we move on um, from this great storyline. He has a little snippet about it at the and the afterward that Dysart wrote. It's very yeah. It's very minimal. He just says, "P.S. Immediate, immediately at following is a short story we did for Free Comic Book Day 2008. I chose M.R. James. I looked up M.R. James. He just uh, he used him as like inspiration for the story as my primary inspiration based on Mike's desire to create a classic Victorian ghost story. Mike took the reins, keeping it in check along the way. Hope you like it." I like it <laughs> very much, very much so. And even with that reference of what his inspiration is, it's cool. You could research it. It's a guy that sort of like wrote. He was in H.P. Lovecraft was in like liked his work as well. And his ghost stories are very supposed to be similar to this kind of work. So it's something that I think if you wanted to invest more time into like his inspiration. What's here, his name one more time? It is. Sorry, I turned the page. No, it's inspiration okay. came from M.R. James. Cool. Known for like his ghost stories. So, uh, yeah, I love the coloring in this whole thing. I think all the all, all everything is great about this. Even just for a short, little uh, broom story has a lot of. And I, I oh I, yeah, I, I have to praise Dysart again. I think he's just doing such great work, and I know it's him and Mignola working together. But like, they just give enough and everything. Even though we we have which is not standard for a lot of our stories. Even 
1946. It wasn't heavy on like this kind of narration, right? But they were so well used. They never gave us a like repetitive information. Like when we yeah. enter that home, it's talking about what they're hearing, but they never tell you like, oh, these guys didn't like, like the no one mentioned anything. Like the 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 help the home helpers didn't mention it or. They just lets us see that they aren't mentioning it. Yeah. We just see yeah. that master will see you in the morning. We may follow you to your, like they just take them to their room and it lets us as the reader put it together. And, uh, and of course, like the guy helping broom too, yeah. like they, you, you, you learn so much about the like staff of this house just by, you have to like, just understand that from their action. There's, there are few actions here. They're used to this screaming at night. Nobody's <laughs> yeah. surprised by it. They lock the guests in their room. They're like, we, you know, yep. There's just a, this is just our routine here. <laughs> right. They kind of know what has to happen. Like none of them has been like brave enough to pick up the book and put it back in the hands of this bishop him, themselves. But since Broom's crazy enough to do it and he already did it, they're like, okay, come in here, come in here. This is how you stop this from happening. Yeah, and I love that Broom probably had a plan. You know what I mean? In his head yeah. to like go in there and get it and get it back to where it was. But Horton's like just impulse to grab it and run at first. I don't hundred percent know if Broom had a a total plan. I think he knew that the thing would follow him, but maybe I don't know if he's like, I know where I'll take this because he had he's basically running around the house until Broom. somebody's like, this way. You could shoot you could shoot that whole thing as an old slapstick. It's pretty funny. I, and yeah, I think um Paul Azaceda is crushing this again too. His horror is great. Yeah, Paul is a Seda. God, love it. I agree. I love it. I love. I mean, I really do, truly love that. That on the bottom where, where he tries to get Broom to take the book, the last look that, that uh, Broom gives, I think, is so simple but so telling, and I love it. Him just being yeah. suspicious, but just kind of caught, but not giving his whole like all his cards away. He's just yeah. Like just assessing the situation. I love that. Yeah, he's like, something's up. But like, nobody would want to give up this book that gives you eternal wealth if there wasn't a big fat caveat attached <laughs> yeah. to it, you know? Yeah. It just shows the intelligence that Broom has. But then, of course, he can think on his feet. And I love his face of when he's running away from the creature, as you already mentioned, it scaling on the ceiling. The expression on Broom's face is true tear, like of like, this thing could get me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is just great. <laughs> I can hear uh, Poppy being a little bad dog. Yeah, Poppy's being bad. <laughs> she probably just heard somebody walking quietly by. It's and it's like, hi. It's so cute. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's all, all dogs got to bark, you know? They got to do it. Yeah, good stuff. Really good stuff. Any other last thoughts before we close out this episode, Kate, on that short story? No, everybody go watch... Um, Society. Go, go watch Society. I, I watched a bunch of fucked up movies yesterday. Can I tell you about them real <laughs> <Go> quick? <ahead. laughs> I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I've heard that was, one's goofy as hell. That has Dennis Hopper in it. It's a cartoon. It's absolutely crazy. It's like, it, I can't even say I t fully recommend it to you if you're a fan of the first one because it's such a big, crazy pendulum swing away from the first one. Uh, the first one almost feels like you're like a Blair Witch Project kind of situation where you're like almost like watching a real bunch of murders. Um, and then the second one is just like 
trauma levels of bonkers. <laughs> Completely worth a watch. Like, please go watch it, especially if you like really crazy Dennis Hopper. He like outdoes himself in that one. Love it. Uh, I, I think I yelled you like five times. <laughs> There's such gross shit in that movie. Like it almost like I read this one review that was like the director, uh, I think Toby Hopper or Toby Hooper. Yeah. Um, they were like, maybe the director writer um, hated the first one and this was his way of trying to kill it or something. But I think it's like, I think maybe they were just trying to do something different. And it's in- it's insane. Definitely recommend it. I think Toby Hooper is a sort of an underrated uh, in, in the horror genre. I think he should be revered a little more than like the other iconic names like Carpenter, Craven, etc. Uh, yeah. There's a movie of his that I actually think is so entertaining. And I finally figured out what it was like a year ago because um, I remember seeing it as a kid and thought I was being bad when I watched it because there's nudity in it. And you are. <laughs> Uh, if you ever see the movie, have you ever seen the movie Life Force? No, I'll definitely watch definitely it. Definitely check it out. I think it's on HBO right now. Uh, for, Hell yeah. But um, it's a Toby Hooper like space vampire movie. And I think it's it has some cool. Fun. Patrick Stewart's in it. And he's fucking I'm wild. sold. But dude. I, oh, my God. There's I'm some so of thing, there's some effects and choices that I absolutely love. Oh, did he love. do Salem's Lot? He might have. Oh, he did do Salem's Lot. I just watched that, too. Uh, Salem's Lot, I mean, people might be mad at me, found it kind of boring. But the stuff that was, when it gets creepy, it's very creepy. You might find moments in uh, Life Force that's boring too, but it's it's still great. <laughs> Life Force sounds a little more appealing to me. Um, and what else did I watch? Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Ooh, I've heard that's very disturbing. It's It was rough, dude. But um, yeah, if you have any kind of like, if you're like triggered by assault or, you know, it don't watch this movie if you're like um in a in a mental headspace where you can't really watch that shit cuz it is really haunting and so realistic in its depiction of violence. Uh but I got to say like the actors were incredible. Michael Michael Rooker is the lead actor and there's pretty much like I mean there's like two three main actors and they all are great. But yeah, the story it tells is monstrous and very real and based on like a real serial killer. If I mean, you know, if you have a high tolerance for that shit, go ahead and watch it. But if you're if you it, it's, it'll fuck you up, it'll like really, you know, yeah, it, it'll make you like walk with your keys between your fingers to your car kind of a shit. You know, yeah. it's like it's very it's just a portrayal of a very real um, murderer. That's Yikes. all. <laughs> yeah. yeah you had a, a great, had, a great movie. You had a great Monday. <laughs> it was a weird, it was a weird day. I just rolled the dice and picked a bunch of crazy ass movies to watch. Uh, I think I'm ready for Christmas movies now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, those are great. Everybody yeah. check those out if you're interested. I don't have, that, that's a slew of good suggestions. Well, Life Force is your suggestion. Yeah, Life Force. So I'll watch that. <laughs> I, you got to report back to me what you think, because there's there's at least there's one particular sequence in it that I absolutely that's a small little scene that I fucking love. Um, I'm intrigued now. Toby Hooper is very intriguing to me now. Yeah, I mean he did Poltergeist, even though there's rumors that love Poltergeist. There's rumors that Spielberg had to step in because I saw that I saw that Spielberg's touches on that were overstated. Yeah, I saw oh, that. Oh really? Hooper, yeah, I I or I forget where I heard it. Someone he needs to clarify <laughs> yeah i heard that like spielberg 
was there, but what I think Toby Hooper was calling the real shot. Oh, that's good. I've heard. I've heard. It's kind of back and forth, but yeah, he seems like to be more from the indie world anyway. So that's his yeah. style. Yeah. Um, but those are great. I love that. Um, but before we close out this um, episode, we got a segment to end on. It's a hell to pay. Ching, ching, Woo! ching. Cha-ching. Uh, I believe <laughs> the day we're recording this, November 10th, is when this was announced. Um, or yesterday. I can't remember if it was yesterday or today. But regardless, this is old news for most of our listeners. Um, but I... I Gleamed this from the Forbes.com article that was uh, that came th- came out, um, saying that there is a new series, mini series coming in 2021. This is to be released on February 17th, and it's um, Young Hellboy, on um, the Hidden Land. Um, just to give you a little information about this. I, I'm again taking this all from the Forbes.com article about it. This is what help. Uh, excuse me. This is what Mignola had to say about it. He says. The more Hellboy stories we tell, the more of his history we cover, the more gaps we find to fill. We've dropped a lot of hints about others and now, with the perfect creative team of Tom uh, Sigowski, I hope that's how you pronounce his name properly, which is also, he. we know him as the um, writer of Haunting from Weird Tales, that one where he went um, to the house where he, he had, was full of ghosts, but Hellboy couldn't see him. So he's the writer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I think it seems like a good... Um, uh, co-authorship of him and Mignola to collaborate on something young. Totally. And Greg R- Rousseau. 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 He is, I believe, new to the Hellboy universe for Inside Art. So, but he's known for on um, the Batman. He's done tons of stuff, but one of the ones that is most credited a lot is Batman Gotham Adventures. So it's like it seems to be art that's going to really lend itself to this kind of young adventure. Um, stuff and he says it seems to be the perfect time to tell these stories it's a wonderful period of his life to dig into when he's full of crazy energy wired on a diet of comic books and monster movies and not and just old enough to get into all sorts of trouble (laughs) fun yeah and it's cool the synopsis sounds really a lot of fun it says on their way to a south american dig site hellboy and his adoptive father professor broom finds find themselves stranded on a strange island inhabited by vampire queens, dinosaurs, and giant Kong-like ape gods. Carl Denham, where are you at? While they end up being rescued by one of Hellboy's personal heroes, Lobster Johnson, perhaps, they're still not entirely safe from danger. So, pretty cool. Hell yeah. Um, and it, They also say in, in the article, Hidden Land is a loving tribute to the pulp adventure stories of the 1930s, and will even introduce a new character into the ever-expanding Hellboy mythos, Scarlet Santiago, the Sky Devil. Mm. Love it. Love to hear what that is. And then there's a couple more just like um, quotes from the artists. So this these uh, next two quotes come from uh, Snagoski. Um, he says, Since first laying eyes on the red-skinned, demonic, working-class paranormal investigator with the great stone right hand in 1994, I was in love. Hellboy was everything that I wanted in a comic and more. Amazing art, fascinating characters, world building, and monsters! (laughs) Hellboy had it all. With young Hellboy, the hidden land, Mike Mignola, Greg Rousseau. Rousseau. I can't, you said it, and I can't even repeat it. 
<laughs> Rousseau, Dave Stewart, and I get the opportunity to explore a corner of the Hellboy universe that has only been touched upon briefly, Hellboy's childhood. The Hidden Lands wears its pulp sensibilities proudly, telling a story of a mysterious island lost in time, a giant ape god, dinosaurs, and a vampire queen with dark plans for an unsuspecting world. Young Hellboy, The Hidden Valley will show readers that our monstrous hero was having amazing adventures way before even officially joining the BPRD. To be part of the creative team, getting to tell these stories and is an absolute joy. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. I'm I, I'm excited that the the writer is that excited to tell this story. That has me through. Totally. And then lastly, from Rousseau, he says, digging into this untold adventure of young Hellboy's past is nonstop weird fun. It's widely pulpy and fantastical, and that's just in the first issue. It gets crazier from there while highlighting young Hellboy's relationship with the professor, which grounds the story. Getting to draw from the script from Mike and Tom has been some of the most fun I've ever had in comics. I don't know. This get, this is the, the, what everybody's saying about it makes me so excited to read this new adventure. And sometimes yeah. backstories can be bad, but I think this is kind of apropos to what we've been reading with Dysart's young professor. It's like, you know, I have hope that it will be sort of like that. An injection yeah. of some cool youth that I we mean, I'm got sure I'm sure it'll be it's probably something that Mignola waited for a good idea to come along. Cause I remember when we were reading uh pancakes, he had some little blurb in there about like, I didn't want to do young Hellboy. I thought it was corny <laughs> or yeah. something like something along those lines. Um so I'm sure it's like if it's Mignola approved, it's probably fun enough and good enough to commit to a comic, you know, for even his grumpy ass to like. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I'm sure it's very good. And his um, variant cover is beautiful. I think it's so cool. Yeah, it. I love it with the like, which I'm assuming is one of these giant King Kong esque ape gods behind. I mean, if you boy. if you get to draw a big toothed gorilla god like. You know, yeah. it's just like, what do I, what do I want to draw? I'll just keep doing that. <laughs> I love the little bats though. I love these like fat little bats that are flying around in this funny little crab. I think it's so cool. Yeah. And the colors are just knockout. Yeah. Dave Stewart as usual. Yeah. Knocking it all out. Crushing. I agree. That variant cover was awesome. But I do yeah. like the, uh, the, the other color, which is by Matt Smith. Who do- oh yeah. Matt Smith is known. Uh, I only know his art specifically from being the interiors for a current new Hellboy one-shot long night at uh, Golski Station. It's solid work. So he's doing the covers, and this first one is really cool, which I saw um, uh, a Hellboy, a, a, a regular Hellboy writer at um, uh, Multiversity.com, Tweedell. He, he was showing on his feed, I noticed this online, was comparing this to a, a Tintin cover. Um I'm not a regular Tintin oh, cool. reader. I, I can't speak to the um, to the homage to it, but it seems like a very cool um, his eye catching that. But I love this this Matt Smith cover yeah. of of our young Hellboy. How old do you think that is? How how old do you think that told? He's like in his tweens. Hellboy, yeah, on that cover. How old do you think he is? Yeah, he looks tw- twelve. He's, yeah, he's twelve. Tween, right? To me, eleven or twelve. Cool. I would say. We got ourselves a tween Hellboy. <laughs> uh, but then that's um, Professor Broom, of course, in a raft. It reminds me of the a lot of the Simpsons episode where 
the Camp Krusty one where uh, they go on the father-son rafting. Or not Camp Krusty, yeah. but they're in the, um, whatever, the Boy Scouts. It's the one where, I'm going to recap the entire episode real quick. Melhouse <laughs> and Bart, they uh, get a slushy that's all syrup. They get fucking wild. Yeah. And then they ended up signing up for the Boy Scouts in a sense. Or I can't remember what they call them. In the, um, and then they have to go on a uh, father-son um, rafting trip, and they end up in the Junior ocean. Campers? Junior campers. Junior you're campers. You're probably right. But it's a great episode of Simpsons. They're also in an orange raft like this. And uh, yeah. out in the, the fucking, pretty much like this in the ocean until they come up on the oil, the crusty. Um, <laughs> the, they've like put a, uh, a crusty burger stand on an oil rig. And that's what saves the day. <laughs> it's a great episode. This is what this cover's reminding Have me of. Have you been watching a ton of Simpsons lately? No, like, are you, is the it thing just is, in your brain? they're in my head. Me too. Me too. I, I I know exactly that, but like, ooh, that's a good squishy. Yeah, exactly. I can imagine that exact uh, like sequence where they're like slurping down this crit. They do the like New York, New York parody. Yeah, exactly. I will forget my family. Like at the end of my life, I will forget my family's faces, but I will remember Simpsons episodes. I know it. I'll be I'll be like quoting Simpsons For until sure. the day I'm dead. I yeah I I'm with you there 100. <laughs> I had VHSs before they did the DVD sets. I had at least ten or more VHSs they do full like of episodes. I oh, would just great. record it myself. <laughs> Smart. And I I really like in this cover too. Back to the cover, not being Simpsons related, but it, <laughs> yeah. it feels very also. In, I mean, I know, again, I don't know Tintin, but it feels very just straight out King Kong inspired. Um, yeah, it's like it's like almost as if what if Hellboy went to fucking Skull Island almost with this totally this giant. Um, I love this big ape face in the in the clouds of this island they're about to go to. Oh yeah. So I know we've had a lot of one shots that I've like been interested in reading and I've picked them up and I've read them and this is I I'll admit I think based on the cover and the synopsis this is like the first real original thing of Hellboy that I'm like outside of the BPRD like us going through all of it and me getting to the end and all that. I'm really excited for this. This looks cool. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people on the like Hellboy Facebook groups, people were really jazzed. That's awesome. And and as you Hell said, yeah. the variant, there's one little snippet they said, just in addition to writing the miniseries, Mignola also drew the variant um, for the debut issue, but then, which was colored, of course, by Dave Stewart. But then um, there'll be other variants um, one by Rachel Agarano from Mel the Chosen, Wiley Beckert, Magic the Gathering, and Anthony Carpenter, Jazoo Volume 1, are illustrating variants for issues 2 through 4. So there'll be, awesome. there'll be a lot for us out there that are collectors of Hellboy stuff to buy. And wait, you know, cha-ching. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy to buy it because it doesn't have Scott Alley's name on it. It's Katie O'Brien fucking editing is the editor. So that's awesome. Yeah. Hell Is yeah, this Katie O'Brien. Collection without Scott Alley? No, she gets in there before, I think. But okay, un- okay. Unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, good thing Scott Alley's out, but a couple of the storylines that I was like, the last Frankenstein one was canceled. Another book, I forget the name of it that we've talked about, it was canceled as well. So I removed those from oh. my list just because Scott Alley was associated with it as a writer. I wonder if they'll pick up. Oh, as a writer, I see. But oh, it's crazy! All about Katie O'Brien now, you know. Hell yeah! So this is awesome. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's a, it really is like a, a hell to pay that I'm super like, I can't wait to purchase it along with our listeners. 
<laughs> jazzed on it. February. It feels like so long, but it'll be, I not know. Until next year. And it might not show up. The world might end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be living in the new Republic of California or whatever the yeah, fuck. Yeah, no shit. That's, I don't even <laughs> want to get into it, but yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently there's a coup about to happen. Who fucking knows? I don't know. I don't understand anything. <laughs> Other than I'm fearful and I'm just trying to stay positive. <laughs> uh, but that all aside I'm very excited for this I'm excited to continue reading um, we have one more story following this on that free comic book day which is the mole um, we'll be back for that listeners we want to hear your thoughts on Bishop Olex a devil the storyline um, and uh, your thoughts on those artists that artistic team that put that together and how much we love them we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on them we'd love to hear your excitement and your thoughts on this cool young Hellboy uh, miniseries coming, the art, and the variant covers, and any thoughts on this this tween Hellboy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think I like it. I like it. Um, totally. Then you can send your thoughts to us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at ahcrapahellboypodcast, as well as Twitter, ahcraphellboy. Be aware, though, that if you want your thoughts for the most part, shared on the show. Um, we will respond to you um, on social media um, through those those avenues. Any comments, we'll respond to any direct messages. But if you want that shared with us on the show, give us an, e- uh, an email at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. And also, we'd love to ask you to rate and review us on whatever platform you have. But if you go out of your way to go onto Apple Podcasts, Give us a, a review that's at five star. And if that review starts with the word boom, that's a five star review that starts with the word boom. We, easy to do. It's easy to do. If you're listening this far, you probably have done it or you're going to. <laughs> uh, but if you give us a, a boom review on Apple Podcasts, we will go ahead and we'll read your review right here on the show and give you a big old shout out and praise you. Um, we would really appreciate that from you that brings more listeners to the show give us a boom review um but that's it for this episode folks um this one's been fun um yeah honestly i thought we were gonna this was gonna be a shorter episode but we had a lot to to, to share and talk about i guess technically it is 51 shorter for us (laughs) (laughs) oh very good (laughs) but that's it thank you again listeners for listening And remember, we love you. It reminded me of like be like certain. Oh, sorry. Emergency alert. Oh, we have emergency alert. This president coming in on my phone. Weird. Uh, It's for COVID. Uh oh. Wear a mask and social distance. Oof. LA's blowing up with COVID right hey, now. Hey, so is Utah. Utah, my home state, which was just recently had a mask mandate from the governor. Which, you know, they're like, they're red, so they're going to be like, probably out protesting that. This, <laughs> this crazy person who I always see when I walk my dog, she also has a dog, so of course I, we end up talking to each other. Worst part about owning a dog is talking to strangers on the street. <laughs> and, uh... She just talks about how she has like a house in Utah and she goes there all the time. 
And this lady, I've, she just started wearing a mask. She had never worn a mask up until like a couple of weeks ago. Weird. And she would be like, yeah, we go to Utah and like, Utah, it's totally fine. Like people have just like different mindsets about the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whatever your mindset is, dude, you're like coughing germs on me right now, man. Yeah. And she's just, I don't know. Anyway, hey, I get sorry. It. That's I it. get it. I get it. I have family in Utah that yeah. you don't see eye to eye. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung, and we are the host of Crush Fictionally, a podcast all about your favorite fictional characters from movies, TV shows, and more. Each episode, we pick a theme, curate a list of characters that we love, why we love them, and some fun facts about the people who created them. So if you've ever felt a true connection with a fictional character, tune in to Crush Fictionally on Campfire Media or wherever you find your podcast. Campfire.